Last time on Baldur's Gate, Gorilla's Playthrough. I have a pretty proposal for you. Hello there. I see my Garrick has been rather busy. You look as if you're worth paying a little extra. What did my dear little helper offer you? You! Hey, you! Yes, you! I don't see anybody else around here. A little help, please? It's an eventful night, apparently. A woman with a mysterious and somewhat exotic face calls out to us. She, like the now deceased Silky, also wields a staff. Her name is Nira, of course. What do you need? There's bandits. Vicious, magic bandits. And they must have gone to advanced bandit school or something. They're trying to capture me. Very well. I shall defend you from these bandits. My hero. Now where are the rest of your men hiding? <laughs> I'll be honest. I was betting on you having a legion of soldiers because you'll need it and... Oh goodness, they're here! A group of men wearing garb unfamiliar to us approach with a quick stride. So, you would try to hide from us behind this unfortunate fool. Your cowardice proves as deadly as your reckless magic. Says a man named Akandor, dressed in mage garb, complete with a long cape. You're the one trying to capture me! And I still don't know what you want, so I'd rather not let it happen. Get out of here before me and my new friends decide to eject a fist into your mouth! You there. Stand aside and give me the girl. Surely you won't risk your life for a stranger. I won't let you harm her. By what right do you hunt this woman? By my right as a wizard of Fae. We must study her anomalous powers. Whether or not she comes willingly. Let me guess. By study you mean dissect. You shall not be privy to my methods. It is none of your concern, and she is a danger to both herself and others. Hand her over now, or I shall cut you down. Come and take her, if you dare. If you wish to die for this wild mageling, so be it. Away with you, you pompous creep! Both Nira and Ekendor cast a spell at the same time. Not again. Nira completes hers first. Kendall, where did you go? We can't let her escape. Slaughter them all, and we'll sort this out once we find him. Gorilla and Emon go after the Thane wizard, while Nira, who we don't control, goes after the Thane bodyguards. She casts Burning Hands, sending out a fan of dancing flames scalding the bodyguard for 4 fire damage. Emon tags the wizard with multiple shots. As Gorilla chases the crafty wizard, the bodyguards chase Gorilla, but are met with heavy armor and deflections from his tall shield. The wizard casts Flame Arrow at Gorilla. It burns the paladin for 7 fire damage. Gorilla retaliates and crushes the Thane wizard for 14 damage. The crafty wizard continues to fall back and attack Gorilla. The wizard gains ground. Nira takes out the Thane bodyguard, a swift crack to the head. Five crushing damage and he goes down. The remaining bodyguard chases Gorilla. As Gorilla tries to close the distance, the wizard turns and chants. A magic missile devastates Gorilla. Four magic damage, an additional ten magic damage somehow, sending Gorilla into critical health. I am not well at all. He says before gaining an adrenaline burst. Swings the flail at the wizard. Crushing him for 16 damage, the wizard explodes into bits and pieces. The paladin turns and crushes the Thane bodyguard. 13 damage, ending the chaotic battle. I am really, 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 really sorry about what just happened. I didn't want to involve you, but if I hadn't run into you when I did, they'd be elbow deep in my brains right now. What will you do now? Surely a candor will return at some point. Since you were kind enough to save me from those wizardly thugs, I was wondering if I could stay with you for a while. For your protection, as well as mine. 
I swear, I'm quite a skilled spellcaster. I can hurl a fireball like you wouldn't believe. Very well. Your company would be appreciated. Fantastic! Let me just get my... Well, nothing. I'm ready to go now. We update our journal at Day 10, Hour 4, 12 Myrtle, 1368. Something wild. I met a half-elf named Nero on the road, and rescued her from a group of red wizards intent on studying her talent for wild magic. Her spells are unpredictable, but sometimes far more powerful than those of other spellcasters. Her personality seems just as unpredictable, so one would hope we made the right choice in bringing her along. But I have a good feeling about her. Let's have a look at our new mage. Uh-huh. She's a half-elf, wild mage, chaotic neutral. Something about Nira seems very trustworthy, and Gorilla and Nimuin immediately take a liking to her. Her strength is 11, dexterity at 17, constitution of 14, intelligence 17, and charisma of 11. Weapon proficiency of quarterstaff, just one point. Nira has a spellbook, and I don't believe I mentioned much about this before. Any spellcaster besides sorcerers and shamans must memorize spells using the rest button on the left panel after choosing their spells on the mage book or priest scroll pages. So in the spell book, there are different levels of spells going from one to nine. She has numerous level one spells and a few level two spells for now. She can memorize three level one spells at a time and two level two spells, which means that she can use five spells total. So once a mage uses a spell, they cannot cast it again until the party rests. Armor, burning hands, chromatic orb, Color Spray, Identify Magic Missile, Nahal's Reckless Duomer, and Sleep. Nahal's Reckless Duomer is an interesting one. This spell is the Wild Mage's ultimate last resort spell. When cast, the mage releases a sudden flood of wild magical energy, in the hope of seizing and shaping that energy into a desired spell effect. We end up equipping her while memorizing Magic Missile, Burning Hands, and Nahal's Reckless Duomer. So now that she has memorized them, we won't be able to use them until after we rest. The now party of three heads on their way. At this point, Gorilla and Nira are pretty beat up, so they head over to a tavern called the Burning Wizard to get a drink and rest. Meanwhile, Imwen decides to pay a couple of the buildings here a visit. This way. The first place she stops at is a residential house, located next to a tavern. The front door is locked, but it poses no problem for Emoin. She uses her Hide and Shadows ability and heads inside. As a man and a woman commoner walk around the dimly lit first floor, Emoin stands in place to wait for the right opportunity I've to done move. Had enough of this. The man passes by her, almost brushing into her, and with his back now turned, Emoin sneaks up the wooden staircase. Up here the quarters are tighter. A hallway with stucco walls leads to two bedrooms and a bathroom. Emwen heads into the master bedroom and sees a large man sleeping on the bed. Next to the bed is a chest and a dresser. Emwen quickly picks the lock on the chest and loots a crossbow and some stacks of bolts. The dressers are empty. Nothing else worth wasting time with up here, so she heads back down. Although the commoners are still going about their nightly routine, Emwen boldly walks across a rug and over to a chest in the corner, then attempts to pick the lock. But 
But this lock is complex and poses a problem for her. She loses focus and ends up leaving the shadows. But fortunately, the woman close by still has her back turned to her. Frustrated, she uses hide and shadows again and carefully exits the house the same way she came in. I've done had enough of this. Unhappy with the meager loot she found in there, she heads over to the northern end of town, the richer end. As she stealthily walks up a gravel path, the music grows fainter and only the sound of crickets remain. She enters a split rail fence surrounded by flowers. The fence is sectioning off a mansion of Victorian architecture from the rest of the city. After taking a moment to admire the landscaping, she heads to the front door to work her magic. She uses hide and shadows and heads inside. Immediately upon entering, she quietly shuts the door so as not to alert the two guards who are posted at the end of the foyer. Her advanced sneaking skills allow her to masterfully pass by them while they continue a conversation. A nobleman is standing by a table in a dining hall, and the exquisite furniture is lined in red velvet. Imun gets out of sight once again and heads upstairs. I've done had enough of this. She heads down a long hallway with plank floors, passing numerous wooden bookshelves, and comes across the master bedroom. A woman is sleeping inside. Imun sneaks over to a chest by the bed. jackpot. 85 gold and two potions, which we've learned now are pretty hard to come by. She snickers quietly and walks over to the dresser on the far side of the room. Before she picks this lock, she looks behind her to check on the woman again, but she's deep asleep in a drunken stupor. Pay dirt again. She loots various expensive looking gems. Other than various historical books, which would only hog up valuable inventory space, she finds nothing else of note and heads back downstairs. As she slips past the armed but oblivious guards once again, she searches the large yard I've around the mansion. Rummaging through storage containers and boxes, In one, she finds a girdle, examines it, and throws it back in the container. It's junk. Now, passing by a large stable on the other side of the mansion, she finds a few arrows in one barrel, 25 gold in another, having a little bit of good luck tonight. She circles around the town and heads into a few more houses. Meanwhile, in the Burning Wizard, You want some whiskey? Nira and Gorilla are enjoying a shadow dark ale in the small but cozy tavern while listening to the talkative bartender. Been a few days since I've seen as many strangers as you brought with you. I hope the town treats you kindly. Some guy came in yesterday, said he was part of a caravan coming from Ammon to Baldur's Gate. Said his caravan got wiped out, 
Raiders in the night, so it seems. There were human and hobgoblin attacking together, he said. Can you believe that? Human folk working with goblin scum. What has this world come to? Meanwhile, on the other side of town, in the dead of the night, Emwyn is picking the lock on a taller, older house. This time, her hide and shadows ability fails. Mother said not to talk with strangers. And is face to face with a boy. You scared me. I wasn't taking anything, honest. I was just checking out the house. That's all. Someone's got to watch over the place. Because I'm sure they'll come back. The Grey Kurds only went to Baldur's Gate to visit. And they should be back already. I'm going to wait right here until they come back. I'm going to wait right here until they do. Seems like he's lying. But more importantly to Emwyn, seems like the I residents are out of town. The staircase leads up to a normal upstairs layout for this type of residence. As such, Emwyn knows to head straight to the master bedroom and loots a small amount of gold from a chest. Then exits the house. This way. Having explored a good chunk of the city, Emwyn decides the evening has been fruitful enough. Heads back to join Gorilla and Nira at the Burning Wizard. Now, likely fairly drunk from the Shadow Dark Ale, it's going on hour 400. As Emwyn enters the bar and hears the roaring laughter, she books a room for the three of them with a the bartender. But, soon thereafter, orders a Golden Sands brew and joins the raucous. Nira is a welcome addition to the party, and her chaotic nature fits right into the now party of three. As the night dies down, the party heads upstairs to the inn. Up here, two people are seated at a round candlelit table in the lobby outside of the rooms. A man stands in the center of the hallway, angry that the party kept him awake for the past four hours. His name is Spen Gilme. We approach. Leave me be to fire wine with ye, and I hope he gets the gout. I don't need your back talk, old man. Get lost. Ye be a mite rude, considering it was ye talking to me. Shove off, youngster. I don't need your headache. The rooms up here are simple enough, fairly small but comfy. Eight hours later, we wake up on day 10. Before we eat breakfast, we've been holding on to a lot of unidentified items. We can only cast identify once per spell slot after rest. So we ask Nira to identify some of these items. Let's start with the two-handed sword. Two-handed sword plus one. The two-handed sword is a derivative of the long sword. Weaponsmiths have always looked for ways to improve existing weapons. In an effort to improve the longsword, the blade was lengthened. Eventually, the handle had to be extended, and two hands became necessary to properly swing the sword. The primary function of two-handed swords is cleaving mounted knights and breaking up pike formations. This one is particularly good at its job, as it has been enchanted with a few magical properties. Statistics. Faco 1. Damage 1d10. Plus one slashing. Speed factor, nine. Proficiency type, two-handed. Sword type, two-handed. Requires 14 strength. Weight, 12. We thank Nira, give the two-handed sword to Gorilla, just to hold on to. Let's check one of the unidentified mage robes. 
turns out to be a Maidrobe of electrical resistance. Maidrobe of electrical resistance. While seen with less frequency than some other Maidrobes, those of electrical resistance can hardly be considered a rarity. Some are worn by paranoiac, seeking protection from a ragged mountain storm. But many more are worn by mages seeking to protect themselves from the intrigues of others of their kind. As with all such robes, a mage robe of electrical resistance can only be worn by those of a wizardly profession. And we have Nero equip it. Kind of fashionable. It's deep red. It completely covers one of her legs and exposes the other. Almost completely. With that, we finish breakfast. I stand ready. Gorilla casts his heels, which once again we can only use once per rest. What is it this time? I think for that reason, it would be nice to get a dedicated healer. I wonder where we get spells for the Paladin. A few commoners in here, having a drink. Before we head out, we speak to one named Zerlong. What is a thief to do, huh? You invest in some boots of stealth, you set up shop in the Badlands south of Baragost, and then, wham, along comes a tribe of hobgoblins and they tear the boots from right off your feet. Damn blasted bullies is what they are, and I'll pay 100 gold to whoever can get them back for me, I will. Oh look, it's Dristuerden. Journal updated. Zerlong's missing boots. The party has lost 15 gold. We're missing 15 gold. Blasted thief. We voluntarily initiate the attack. Emon hits him with a critical. We quickly put him to the floor. Right next to the bartender. The party has gained 90 experience. I've noticed, sometimes when we attack someone, our reputation goes down, so you have to be careful, be but fortunately this time it did not, and we loot 115 gold. But he won't be doing that again. The bartender watches the party leave. We stretch outside. With ease. This is a nice inn looking at it from the outside. It's bordered by two yellow trees on each corner. The tall obelisk is in front of us. We see a shop we haven't been in yet to our right. Kagane's item shop. So we head inside. Something kinda strange here. Not busy at all. There's a few shelves, a few barrels, but it's just empty. I don't wanna talk. A dwarf stands behind the counter. With we ease. approach. Greetings. I am Kagan. What can I do for you? Um, what kind of shop is this, anyhow? I run an escort business. I hire mercenaries to escort caravans en route from Ammon to Baldur's Gate. Right now, I'm looking for some strong sword arms, and I'm willing to pay high. It seems that one of the caravans under my protection never arrived at Baldur's Gate, and I need to know what happened. You look like a strong group of warriors. Interested in a job? Sure. We always need more money. Tell us more. Ah, that's good. I've been having a lot of problems with bandit activity lately, but they've always only taken the cargo and let the caravan go afterward. I've been catching flack from the family of some of the passengers of this caravan. After all, it was the job of my mercenaries to make sure that everyone got safely to Baldur's Gate. Normally, I wouldn't give a damn about some stupid whiner, but one of the passengers was the son of Enter Silvershield, and in this part of the world, his word is law. So do you want the job or not? Sure, as soon as you tell us how much we'll be paid. I'll pay each of you 30 gold per head, plus a share of any booty, if there's no one left alive to claim it. Sounds good to us. Hey, I'm glad you guys have some sense in your heads. I have an underling who can take care of business here while I'm gone, so let's get a move on. So Kagan has joined our party. We log our journal. 
Entar's son. We've joined up with Kagan, a dwarf who wants to find a missing noble. The missing noble is the son of Entar Silvershield, so he's really desperate to find the kid. Let's have a look at Kagan. Kagan. Go pester someone else. <laughs> Kagan is a male dwarf, fighter, lawful evil. That I didn't know when I recruited him. Kagan is strength of 16, dexterity of 12, constitution of 20. That's huge. Intelligence of 15, wisdom of 11, charisma of 8. That makes sense. Kagan has a typical dwarf appearance. Heavily armored, long bushy mustache and beard. Very husky, very stout. His proficiencies are axe plus 2. So we know that's his thing. Flail Morningstar plus one, crossbow plus one. Crossbow, huh? Armor class modifiers, missile minus one, piercing minus one, slashing minus two. He has some ability bonuses to hit zero, damage plus one, open door 16, weight allowance 150. Have we seen that? I don't know. Let's level him up. So we can't put, oh, we can put an additional point in axe. He already has two, but I don't think we've been able to put three in anyone yet. So let's give him one, two axe. Let's make that his go-to. So let's see, at level three, he's a master. So the character receives plus three to hit, to damage, and for warriors only, an extra one half attack per round with a selected weapon. That is cool. We look to gear him up, but his gear is already up to par. So the now party of four leaves Kagan's shop. Oh, the one thing we've learned is when a party member gives you a quest. It's usually timed, so we may have a limited amount of time to do Kagan's quest. So we'll keep an eye out for Kagan's quest while handling our current priorities. This time a town crier is in the center of the street, off by the obelisk. Hear ye, hear ye. By order of his most radiant, Lathander Kernabeard, Governor of Beragost, and in the best interest of its peoples, forthwith, there will be a bounty placed upon the head of the mad cleric basilisk for the crimes against nature which he has committed. Anyone bringing proof of his demise to the Song of the Morning Temple shall receive no less than 5,000 gold. Hear ye, hear ye! As we update our journal, a storm brews overhead. Keldath Ormlir is offering a bounty of 5,000 gold on a man named Basilis. I should be able to find Keldath in the Temple of Lathander, just east of Baragast. Basilis, I've heard that name before. Slightly raining, with flashes of lightning here and there. We head back into Thunderhammer Smithy to sell some gear. Something on your mind? As we enter, one of the various weaponsmiths offers us help. Hello, friend. What can I do for you this day? We reply to the smith. Get out of my face is what you can do. I'll summon you when I need you. Our party looks at each other with concern. Speak to Tyrum like that and you'll end up with a stoker shoved so far up your... Well, it's not for a gentleman to say. I would advise you be polite while in his shop. We sell off our excess loot, purchase bundles of arrows for Emoin, and depart on our journey to the south, toward Nashville. It will be done. The first stop is a temple. It's literally adjacent to Baragost. Traveling hours, zero. It will be done. A dirt path leads to a large stone cathedral. 
So we head inside. Inside is a very tall statue, maybe 20 or 30 feet tall, and it appears to be holding a blue ball of light. The statue dwarfs the people standing around. In front of it stands a man. On each side of it, we see two women. We approach the man we presume to be a priest. His name is Keldath Ormlier. Don't touch me. I'm super important. <laughs> Welcome. The traveling adventurer is never turned away from a house of lavender, as we strive to aid all who make a difference in the realms. If you are battle-worn, we can extend a number of necromantic restorations. Whatever you need, a small donation is the only compensation we require. Here we can buy and sell potions. He has one stone to flesh scroll. We pick that up because it sounds useful. It's 190 gold. Here we can cure light wounds, cure serious wounds, we can dispel magic, remove curse, slow poison and raise dead. We remember doing that with poor, poor Monteron. He charges 50 gold. Gorilla 2 has cure light wounds, being that we don't know what's around this temple. And Gorilla Tank has 19 out of 42 health points. We request to cure light wounds for 50 gold. It only cures us for eight points, but it's enough to keep us going. We also have the option to enter donation, which we have not done yet. With ease. As we depart from the cathedral, the wind and rain begin to pick up. There's another building adjacent to the cathedral. This one is also stone, and we decide to have a look inside. This church is substantially smaller than the other. This one is also strangely empty. Nothing inside. We approach Dawn Priest Blaine. Hey ya. <laughs> hey ya. And who may you be? Nobody important. Go see Kalas for temple business. I just clean the floors. Tis lean times. We see one other man standing on the other side of the church. We walk across the porcelain tile floor. This one's name is Dawn Priest Bram. We should get doors. They swipe the chairs. Nice floor, though. <sighs> He's right. The floor is impressive. 16 by 16 porcelain tiles. Shiny gloss. We leave these two to their trade, and we head out. The strong winds have picked up, and it's getting darker. We decide to explore the area before heading out. Around the temple is what appears to be grassland. Not far from the temple, you see a drunk just standing out in the grass, getting soaked from the rain. Hello guys, how are you doing? I kind of got lost on my way home. Anyways, that don't matter no more. Give me all your money. We reply, ah, uh, look fella, we're not going to give you all our money. Wrong answer, boys. You should have given me the money when I asked you. You know what I am? I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm a lich. Yes, I am. Powerful magics I wield. And now you make me mad. You got one last chance. Give me all your monies. <gasps> Look, guy, we're not going to give you any money. Now bug off. Whoa. You guys just don't get it, do you? I'm going to kill you with all my magical powers. Now, what's it going to be? Death or... Or something. 
Okay, here's all of our money. We apologize if we've angered you at all. <laughs> that's, that's one option. But instead we say, we're leaving now. Bye. He replies, Hey, what are you? Uh, the drunk, <laughs> the drunk is now unconscious. Look at his body one last time. Then continue down the grassy plain. We reach a rockier section of land. We're attacked by a group of stray wolves. Two go after Kagan. Inwin fires and hits for six missile damage. Gorilla and Kagan both get bit. Kagan slashes one for six damage. A nasty critical from Kagan. 20 damage, taking out one of the wolves. Gorilla strikes for 13 crushing damage, taking out another. The party focuses on the final wolf. Kagan gets bit again. 6 piercing, 4 damage from Emwin, 4 damage from Nira, 5 damage from Kagan, 6 damage from Emwin. Doesn't want to go down. <laughs> Gorilla delivers the final blow for 9 crushing. 65 experience per wolf. As we continue to the east, a large group of wolves and wargs emerge from around the corner of a mountain. It's a tough fight and we try to divide the group to even out the odds. Thin them out from the pack. There's a dread wolf in the pack. Kagan advances again. The dread wolf is of a darker color. We have difficulty doing any damage to it whatsoever. We take out the warg. It's the whole party versus the dread wolf. Kagan gets in a nice swing for 12 damage. It focuses on Kagan. Imwen fills it with arrows. Four missile from Imwen. She lands a solid critical. Twelve missile. And the Dreadwolf finally goes down. Oh, 650 experience. Uh -huh. I'll do Kagan it. proceeds forward. Same want? strategy. All right. I stand ready. Gorilla has heavy wounds. Is Kagan is kind of beat up too. Nira gets in position. Kagan cautiously proceeds forward. This time three. Two wild dogs. One vampiric wolf. These are rough. The vampiric wolf immediately charges Kagan. Ten piercing on Kagan. Emwin fires, but weapon ineffective. We haven't gotten that before. The vampiric wolf is just brutal. Gorilla and Kagan now in the red. Time to bring in Nira. You rang? She tags the vampiric wolf with a magic missile for magic damage. So magic works. The wild dog goes down. Uh -huh. Now just the vampiric wolf remains, barely injured. Nira tosses Gorilla a healing potion. Then fires another magic missile. It connects. Gorilla lands a nasty critical hit for 22 damage. With his two-handed sword, it does heavy damage but he has no shield. Hence him getting beat up. He's using two-handed due to his flail having shattered somewhere along the way. Gorilla falls back. Nira fires. She connects for light damage. The vampiric wolf still has more than half health. Kagan steps in and gets its attention. Eight piercing from the wolf. He rolls another save versus death. Nira fires, chipping away at its health. Imwin's arrow still ineffective. Hey, what's happening here is it bites, and it's vampiric so it heals. Problem. Kagan save versus death again. Kagan receives another bite. Nira gets bit. It's got full health and everyone but Imwin is critical. Kagan gets bit again. Save versus death. Gorilla finally connects. 13 damage. Good fortune. 
He lands a critical, 16 damage. Kagan gets hit again, and this time, Kagan goes down. The vampiric wolf now goes after Nira, who is already near death. As it chases Nira, Gorilla lands a final slash, and the vampiric wolf goes down. Right next to Kagan, the party gained 2,000 experience, and that was a battle. Nira levels up. She gains additional mage spells, two level two spells, additional hit points gained, four, lore increased by three. Good deal. Kagan can't leave him behind. Guess we'll take him to a priest. On the ground, we see Gorilla's broken flail. If we pick up all this armor, we become over encumbered, so we can't just take anything we get. We need to find a place to rest. The party is worn out. Around the mountain next to us, we follow its rocky wall. And a dirt path leads us into a windy valley surrounded by two mountain walls. It's hour 17. The sun is getting ready to set. In the shadows, we make camp. We plop Kagan's short body by the fire. As the sun sets above, Emwen and Gorilla ask Nira about her past. Nira says she's been on the run from Red Wizards for months and months. She seems quick thinking and a little glib, but I've heard that wild mages are among the most powerful spellcasters, as long as they don't have an accident. Despite her cheerful and capricious demeanor, I sense her past haunts her, as much as she loves unleashing the powers of her wild magic. She also seems to fear the harm it can cause. As the moon makes its appearance beyond the mountains, the party falls asleep. Eight hours later, the party awakens, our spells recharged. Gorilla casts Cure Light Wounds on Nira. Emwen is good to go. It's still dark out. As we continue to circle our way around this mountain, underneath a few dead pines, we see a man wearing a hooded robe and carrying a staff. His name is Galileus, and he appears to be occupied with something. It's still dark, so we make our presence known, but we approach with caution. Knowledge used wisely is the most powerful of tools. 30 degrees latitude, longitude varying greatly, moons in conjunction with, uh, pardon my lack of focus. But I've been studying the skies for some time now. Now I have a positively wicked kink in my neck. and cannot seem to focus on anything closer than the horizon. Such are the pains of astrology, I suppose. What have your observations revealed to you? We ask. Oh, I couldn't possibly tell you all that I see. There is so much raw data that must be interpreted and examined thrice over. It is a wonder that even I can assimilate all that information with no ill effects. Still, the long and the short of it reveals interesting times ahead. If I did not know better, I would say that the heavens themselves look on with interest. Conflicts of great significance are on the horizon. As we both look up at the moon above, he concludes, and before we can ask any more questions, he walks off into the darkness. Continuing onward, we discover a narrow trail. On the trail, we scrap with a stray dreadwolf. What is it? I'll do it! 
stand it will be done. Hmm? Not a problem. Yes? The trail leads us back to the southern end of the large temple. A man shouldn't speak to his better unless spoken to first. On this end, we see a man standing around, can barely make out who he is in the darkness. As we get closer, we see he's dressed in nobleman garb, and he wears a feathered cap. He turns around to see us, and quickly walks over. Not to be rude, but can you stand a bit back from me? By all the gods, I shall be glad to be back in Waterdeep come the new Tenday. We have the option of asking him about his trip, the Sword Coast, Waterdeep. We can tell him we would like to visit the city. We decide upon the following. I care not for your whining. Go where you will, but get out of my way first and foremost. Ashen replies, how typical of the savages I have met here. Personal hygiene that would choke the stoutest ox. I cannot relieve myself of your presence fast enough. We go our separate ways. Decide to finish clearing this mountainous area, and we head southeast. Once again, grassy fields make way to rocks. As we continue down this path, we notice a large group of hobgoblins, and at the same time, they notice us. <laughs> you no fight. You fight, you die! As per usual, one appears to be the leader. His name is Katik, and he makes his voice known. <laughs> you no fight. You fight, you die. Give all gold and iron, or you die. Tis simple choices. What I say, or die. Die, die, die. We answer Katik. <laughs> we'll never surrender to you cut-rate marauders. Katik replies. Your hearts are brave. We rip them out and show you. Chill. Attack. And the battle begins. Emwen sets her sights on the hobgoblin closest to her. You rang? Nira casts Nahal's Reckless Dwarmer. When she casts this, we're given the choice to use any of her numerous spells. The outcome can go good or it can go bad. That's Nahal's Reckless Dwarmer. So we cast Nahal's Reckless Dwarmer, then follow up with Magic Missile. We won't know the outcome until it fires. We aim it at the same Hobgoblin, the one closest. Nira's Spellcaster increased by 2, so she follows up with a Magic Missile, and we get a wild surge. She asks what's in my pack. The Hobgoblin takes an arrow from Emoin. We thought to be 3 Hobgoblins, now turns into roughly 8. The Magic Missile turns into a flaming cross, but seems to do nothing. The entire group charges Gorilla, except Kadix, the leader, who goes after Emoin. As Gorilla takes out a few hobgoblins, Nira, who is standing behind Emwin, uses burning hands on Kadok, causing 8 fire damage. Gorilla also rushes to help Emwin, slashing him for 12 damage, and Kadok falls. As the group of hobgoblins continue to attack Gorilla, Nira casts her final magic missile, and instantly it takes one out. 8 magic damage. Gorilla gets cut by one of the hobgoblins, 6 slashing, and another hit for 4. Emwin fires and takes one out. Only four remain. Nira comes to Gorilla's aid. Having run out of attack spells, she uses her staff to physically attack the hobgoblins. She gets the attention of one, and it chases her. Gorilla gets hit again. Emwin shoots another, and it falls. She fires and takes out another. Emwin is just a beast. Two hobgoblins left. Gorilla lands a heavy slash, killing one. The party rushes the final one. Not a problem. What you want? What is it? My turn to save yeah. the day. And this one too falls to Emwin. You rang? We marvel at the staggering amount of loot yep. on the ground. We loot a new spell. Slow. We'll teach that one to Nira.
A lot of gold, a few gems, and loads of weapons and armor. Nothing we can use. Now rounding the corner of the final part of the mountain, we battle with another large group of hobgoblins, lay them to waste. And as we finish exploring this area, we depart for the next area. We know that to continue our main journey, we need to head south to Nashgal. On the way down to Nashgal, there's an area called Olcaster School. It's about eight hours away. You have been waylaid by enemies and must defend yourself. On the way, seemingly in the middle of nowhere, we find ourselves in a dry, rocky area, ambushed by wolves. Our party spreads out. Gorilla gets their attention. The paladin takes one out with a heavy swing of his two-handed sword. Emwin fires and takes out the second one. Now only one wolf remains, as the wolf and gorilla trade attacks. Nira connects with her staff for two damage. Emwin lands a critical, eight missile damage, and Gorilla lands the final blow for 18. All this traveling, all this adventure, how do you manage it? Until now, I was barely able to keep my head above water. Yet here with you, it seems almost easy. After the battle, we're randomly approached by Nira. Easy. We face our fair share of danger, Nira. Oh, well, yes, there's obviously that. I just meant that ordinary things are easier. I'm not constantly worried where my next meal is coming from, or whether a kobold will sneak up and slit my throat as I sleep. That was your life before we met? Yes. Rocks for a pillow, eating clay, all that and more. My fortune seems to have come in waves. As ever since High Forest. High Forest? Is that where you come from? That's me. Born and raised in the thicket. At least until my mistakes piled up high enough to come crashing down on me. What drove you out of your home? You know, this and that. I was never a very good student of magic, and part of that could be attributed to never studying. I ended up flubbing a few spells, and uh, here I am. It would appear that you glossed over some of the finer details. A maiming or two, if you don't count the second-degree burns. Completely accidental, and everybody lived. Well, at least I'm pretty sure everybody lived. Accidents happen. Even horrible ones. You really know how to get someone to open up. Why, yes, let me just share intimate details about my past. <laughs> you put me right at ease. Take your time. Tell me when you're ready. During our magical training, we were supposed to summon a sphere of fire. And mine got away from me somehow. One moment I was concentrating, the next moment my classmates were rolling on the floor screaming. Uh, perhaps your poor teachers are the ones to blame. No. I did it. It was my fault. Accident or not, I should have been more careful. I could have taken responsibility or fetched a bucket of water. Instead, I ran away, terrified of what I'd done. I can understand why you might panic in that situation. Nira tells us it was kind of us to put it that way. There are times she wanted to think that way. It was confusing for her, and she didn't mean to hurt anyone. She continues to tell us that she ran into the woods and couldn't bear to go back to face the consequences. She snuck back into the village now and then for food, once to leave a note for her parents, but eventually she had to leave. I took to wandering High Forest, but I kept running into the wrong people and doing the wrong thing. Eventually, Turlang the tree and grabbed me and said, Take a hike. 
Maybe not in those words exactly. And so you left on your journey. And so I left High Forest. I've been wandering for a while now. I've got a few ideas for a destination, but I'm still considering them. Come, let us continue this journey together. Many thanks to Remy Chartier, who provided the voice work for... Here we go. Town Crier, Bartender, Kagan, Old Bar Patron, Keldath Ormlier, Zerlong the Thief, Little Boy, Church Janitor, and Narration for Various Weapons. Remy is a visually impaired voice actor. He's a sound designer, writer, and composer. He also designs audio theater. If you would like to reach out to Remy, his contact info is provided below.